Uh, our passage tonight is from Philippians 1, 12 through 18 and 27 to 30. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment for Christ, is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. For some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish, selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we, uh, we're here in your presence worshiping you. We love you. And uh, Lord, Lord Jesus, would you just come and uh, give us the gift of your presence? Lord, let us um, know you in a special way tonight. Lord, would you open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to know you and commune with you uh, more intimately than uh, maybe we ever have before? And Lord, would you uh, just keep your promises to us that your word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purposes for which you sent it. And uh, we ask you to do that now as we continue to worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so tonight we, we are talking about suffering, but we're also talking about how my athletic career peaked in the fifth grade. And <laughs> the most important thing that y'all need to know tonight is that in fifth grade, I made the all-star team, okay? Basketball talking basketball, it's totally appropriate to clap if you want to. Um, we had this, we had this like community league and they would always pick the all-star, there's an East, I was on the East team, there's an East all-star team and a West all-star team, just like the NBA. And uh, it's a purposeful association there. Um, but the, our all-star teams would become an AAU team and we would travel and compete in all these tournaments. And so I mean, really, like at the time, basketball was my sport. That was like the biggest deal to me. I thought it was so cool. And we got these jackets uh, that were phenomenal. If you've ever seen Home Alone, it's basically the, the same exact kind of jacket that the polka band is wearing. Like the silky with like the sort of elastic cloth cuffs and like striped cuff up here. It had my name embroidered right here. And so we would wear those on game day. And I would, let's be honest, I would wear those every day, even when it was like 80 degrees outside because I was just so proud to have that jacket. That, that really was like one of my most prized possessions in my childhood. But, um, you know, that's like, I'm, I'm saying this because getting that jacket and wearing that jacket and being on the team was not the whole point, right? The point was what happens after that. The point is that, okay, now we're on this team, now, 
we, now is when the blood, sweat, and tears come. Okay, now is when we work really hard. Now is when we practice, where we put in the time and we try to become a great team. We try to get together under our coach's leadership and, and become a, a great team. That's the whole point of this thing. And so last week, we started this um, sermon series on the book of Philippians, this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And we talked about this concept of gospel partnership, okay? And, and just a, a brief definition, a working definition of gospel partnership. First of all, gospel, that's just Greek for good news. So if you've never heard that word before and you hear Christians use that word, uh, it's shorthand for just the good news of God's love for you in Christ. Um, that's the message of Christianity is God loves you and he has done everything uh, necessary through Jesus through his life and death and resurrection to bring you into reconciliation with him and make you a son or a daughter and be with him for eternity. So when we think about gospel partnership, we're thinking about this shared commitment to this shared mission that's gonna involve shared suffering. And, and as we suffer together for this shared commitment, um, it's gonna bond us together in love and, and it's gonna bring joy. And so tonight, we're talking about, we're zooming in on this, this idea of the shared suffering. Um, and so first, we need to define it. We're not just talking about any suffering you experience as a person. We're not like, um, you know, I went out last night and I drank too much and it's like, oh, I'm just suffering for the gospel. That's not what we're talking about. Um, we're talking about, but, it, but it's also probably not as limited as you think. It's probably, uh, some of y'all may be thinking like, okay, we're just talking about like what's happening to Paul, like he's getting thrown in prison for verbally sharing the gospel with people. Um, here's here's a, an appropriate box of what we're talking about, this kind of suffering, is to speak the words that Jesus spoke. So it does include sharing the gospel. It does include telling people the truth about Jesus and about where your hope comes from and God's love for you. So that is a piece of this. But it, it's also suffering on account of living, for the way, living the way that Jesus lived. So the hard relationships that you have, when you were trying, when you were living out of love for people that are difficult to love, whether that person lives in your house or that's somebody that you work with, when you were trying to follow Jesus in the way that he lives life and the way that he loves people um, and you suffer for it, we're also talking about that suffering. And so um, the question that we need to, we need to start with here uh, and expose is, you know, if, we, if, if all this is true and we are in a war, if we are in a spiritual war and there's an enemy who is opposing Jesus and, and all that he is doing, um, don't you believe that the enemy would want to m interpret your suffering for you and have your suffering tell you things about God and about yourself that aren't true? Well, of course, because suffering hurts. Suffering is not fun. And so that is, a, that is an absolute key place where he loves to work in our lives is to, to reinterpret or misinterpret your suffering for you. Um, and so we're, we're um, girding ourselves against that tonight as we look at what Paul says about suffering. So Paul is in prison now. Um, he's not a stranger to prison. He's in a prison somewhere, probably Rome, and he is awaiting possible execution. And he is writing this letter to the Philippian church. And as we, as we saw last week, um, he's mostly thinking about them. He's not writing to them to say, please get me out of here. 
He's writing them to say, I love you so much. Here's the things that I want for you. And tonight, this, this passage, when he finally does start to talk about himself, listen to what he says. First verse there in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That's amazing. It's amazing that, that this man is in this headspace, that he's got this, this perspective on life, these, these gospel lenses that he is seeing his, his life experience through, where that is the first thing that he says about being in prison, possibly waiting to be executed, is, hey, actually, it's pretty great because this has really served to advance the gospel in ways that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been imprisoned. And so suffering for Paul here had a, a purpose. And when you and I suffer with a purpose, that totally changes suffering, doesn't it? When I know that I, when I am enduring something because I love and care about someone or something, it makes it a lot easier to endure that suffering. The difference between believing that suffering is getting in the way and that suffering is the way to accomplish something meaningful is, is night and day. When, when I'm living in a place where I've spent too much of my life, where I believe that my suffering is getting in the way of good things happening for me or in this gospel ministry and gospel partnership um, and living with Christ in the world, when I believe that my suffering is getting in the way, it just totally turns me around. But if like Paul, I can see, no, no, this suffering actually is the way. This is the way to, to living a fruitful life the way that God's called me to live, then that's a, that's a whole new thing. And so um, Paul says to us tonight, good news, your suffering is not meaningless. And so this, you know, we were talking about the joy of losing. The joy in losing is our series as we go through Philippians. So tonight is the joy in losing your meaningless suffering. Paul says it's not meaningless. You can rejoice in that. It is, your suffering is not meaningless. And so uh, I wanna look at the few, few different things that our suffering has meaning for. First is um, our suffering has meaning for the world, for those who, who aren't yet in Christ, who don't know Jesus, who don't know God's love for them in Jesus yet. Um, so many people are hearing and seeing the gospel who have never known God's love for them in Jesus because of Paul's imprisonment. Um, he says he's in prison with the Imperial Guard, so he's in, in prison on the Death Star. No, he's not. That's what it always makes me think of. Um, but he is, he is in prison in Rome with these Imperial Guards who have been assigned to him. And when he is in prison, he is literally chained to these men, these guards. And they are chained to Paul for four-hour shifts. And so every single day, new guys are coming through and they are chaining themselves to Paul and Paul is chained to these soldiers. And uh, he had freedom, he had some freedom as he was chained to these guys. They allowed him to write letters like this and send them. They allowed him to have visitors so they would, they would overhear these conversations that he was having with the, the Timothys and the Silases of the world who were coming to visit him there. And so you think about this, this is amazing. These Roman guards, these men were literally looking over Paul's shoulder and reading scripture. They were reading these letters to these churches that became scripture. They were reading God's word. They were seeing Paul and how he was handling this suffering. They were seeing his character. 
they were listening to the way that he spoke to his friends, the way that he prayed for his friends as they came to visit him, the way that he was concerned about other people, not himself. So they were literally hearing and seeing Jesus through Paul. And so instead of thinking now about, um, as one commentator said, instead of thinking about Paul being chained to these Roman guards, it's actually that because of, because of Rome's decision, it's actually because of God's decision, because of God's love for these Roman guards, he chained them to Paul. See how that just totally flips everything. And so now Paul is seeing this opportunity and saying, I'm chained to these men. That must mean that Jesus loves them enough to put me in their path in this way because he wants them to know how much he loves them. So a, a really important, maybe life-changing question for us tonight is who has God chained you to because he loves them so much? Who are the people in your life that drive you absolutely crazy that are really difficult to love? Maybe it's somebody at work, maybe it's a supervisor, maybe it's somebody in your family, whoever it is. Um, instead of thinking, man, I cannot believe I'm stuck with this person. Just flipping that around and thinking, I don't know, God stuck this person with me because he loves them. He also loves me too, but he loves this person. And so the good news for us is that suffering is not this thing that gets in the way of us sharing the gospel or sharing the love of Christ with a watching world, with the people around us. It's actually a really powerful vehicle for us to share the gospel with them. I don't have to hide and you don't have to hide your suffering from your friends or family members or coworkers who don't know Jesus. You don't have to act like you have it all together because that's not what it means when you come to faith in Christ. When, when we come to faith in Christ, it doesn't mean that life is magically all roses and, and unicorns. It just means that um, we know now we have a hope and it's not in ourself. It's in, it's in this Jesus who loves us and is faithful to us and is always gonna be with us. And so um, I don't have to hide that stuff from these people. I, I can live that stuff in front of these people and they can see me struggling as as I am trying to follow Jesus in my suffering. And what they're gonna see is my faith. It's not gonna be perfect, but they're gonna see me fighting to believe the truth about God's love for me in Christ. And more importantly than that, they're gonna see God being faithful. They're gonna watch God and how he loves me in that. And that's gonna be a, a powerful witness to the truth of the gospel for these people in my life. And um, you know, you better believe that as a, a pastor of this uh, congregation, that is a place where um, I'm seeing that a lot is like, I, I don't know how to do this, right? Like, well, I don't say it right, like you know that, but I'll just let you know if you don't know, I don't know how to do this. And there's a lot of times where um, I'm just tempted to believe like I have to have it all together or I have to know the right answer, I have to know the right thing to do in this situation for everything. And guess what, that's crushing. <laughs> and that's not the way that God intended me to live in the freedom of the gospel. And just the power of being able to say, I don't know. You know, when somebody asks me something, well, hey, yeah, you're a pastor, what does this mean theologically? Like, I don't know, maybe. Or what should we do next? I don't know. But God does, and let's pray about it, and let's ask him, and let's see how he's gonna lead us, because it's not me leading this, it's him. Uh, suffering 
has meaning for the world, but it also has meaning for us, for each other as we are in this gospel partnership with each other. Uh, as we slide down the passage, a couple of verses, um, it says that when Paul's gospel partners see him enduring suffering for the gospel, they become more bold to speak the gospel without fear. That word bold means to dare in the face of possible danger or opposition. I love that. They become more bold to speak the gospel without fear and they become confident in the Lord by Paul's imprisonment. What in the world does that mean? It's like confident that I'm gonna end up in the same place in prison as Paul. That seems kind of counterintuitive that that would make me more confident to see Paul sharing the gospel and then end up in prison. Uh, but what that means, first, boldness, um, it reminds us when we see each other suffering with Christ, it reminds us that we're not alone. You know, I don't, I don't know where y'all grew up, but like for me growing up in Knoxville, everybody went out on the, the river and there was this cliff that you could jump off of. And it's kind of like the difference between taking a boat out to that cliff by yourself and trying to jump off if you've never seen it before. That versus like going with a group of people and being the fourth person to jump after you see the first three people didn't die. It's a totally different experience, right? Uh, and that's what happens is we watch each other try to live out our faith in the world and I see you willing to suffer. I say, oh yeah, okay, I'm not alone. It's, it's like I, as I watch you, as I watch Jonathan and DeCarlos and Napier, it calls me up out of my self-centeredness and out into this gospel partnership more and more. And how does it increase, um, how do we increase in confidence? Well, I see, I see you suffering, but again, I don't only see you suffering, I see God supplying your needs in your suffering. And when I see you suffering and I see Jesus giving you joy in your suffering, and encouragement in your suffering. I may even be a part of that, encouraging you. But as I see him meeting every single one of your needs and giving you joy in the midst of suffering, that is a testimony to me that he will meet all of my needs and my suffering too. And so as we, as we are living life together in this community, um, this is a powerful weapon against the evil one as we watch one another suffer in Christ in the way that God uses that to encourage us. Um, just a side note, here, um, I didn't wanna like not address this, but there's a, a couple verses here, verse 17 and 18, where Paul's talking about these other people who are uh, sharing the gospel, but they're like doing it out of rivalry because they, they don't like Paul, I guess. They're trying to take advantage of the fact that he's in prison, and so they're gonna try to go gain more followers or maybe poach some of his followers. Um, and his attitude here is just a really good um, reminder for us or, or um, instruction for us and how do we think about other gospel-centered churches and other gospel-centered ministries is we're for them. Um, no matter how they feel about us, we're for them because the gospel is going out and that's good. And so it's like, uh, if we're the CBFO All-Star East team, they're the All-Star West team. So we're not gonna be as tight with them because God hasn't called us into the same tight-knit community that he's called them to, but we're on the same team. And so um, we're gonna rejoice no matter the, uh, no matter the heart behind the sharing the gospel, anytime the gospel is shared, that's really good news. Um, and so here's where I wanna spend some time, this is our last thing we're gonna talk about, is my suffering has meaning for me. Um, and your suffering has meaning for you. 
Paul says, we skip down to this, this passage here, 27 through 30. Paul says that you have been graciously given the gift of faith in Jesus. That word that he uses there means um, it comes from love and goodwill for someone. So because of God's love for you and his goodwill for you, he's given you this gift of faith in Jesus. We're like, okay, yeah, I can get behind that. It makes sense. And then he says, but not only that, because of his love and goodwill for you, he's also given you the gift of suffering for the sake of Jesus. You're like, I don't know if that's a good gift, really, but thank you, I guess. Or maybe it's like the Christmas present that comes from your great aunt who you never see. And you're like, you tried, you love me, but like, this isn't anything I'm gonna like. Um, what, what is he talking about here? And this is so, 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 so important for us. Um, Romans 5, two through five is really helpful. And that might be a great place to go back and meditate this week and pray through, but I'm gonna read it for us here. It says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know what this means? This means that you and I don't have to be afraid of suffering anymore. Suffering doesn't have to define us and suffering doesn't have to make us ask these big questions like, where is God? Does God still love me? Is he pleased with me? Did, did his love for me run out because I did something that offended him? Um, we know because God tells us, and Paul says here, even in our passage, like, you're enduring the same suffering that every single one of us who is following Jesus has endured and will endure until he comes back. Nothing is wrong. God did not leave you. God is, loves you. And that is firmly fixed forever in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God's love for you does not rise and fall with how well you suffer for him or, or how well you live your life or how sinless you are. That, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to take away all of our sin, to take all of our sin on himself so that it could be dealt with forever so that we don't ever have to be afraid of God anymore because he's reconciled us to himself. And so now we can trust that when we endure suffering, it's because God loves us, it's actually a gift. Because one, it'll, it pushes us closer together. When we are in need, we, we come together. I need you more, and when I'm made more aware of that need, then I run to you. I'm running to Jesus by running to you, and I'm asking, will you please help me? Will you please pray with me? Will you please pray for me? So it just strengthens this gospel partnership that we have together. It also gives us way more ample opportunities to see God's faithfulness to us. As we cry out to him in need in our suffering, we watch him answer those prayers, and he answers every single one. And so Paul's saying, all these other things I'm praying for you in this passage, suffering is the key that unlocks all these doors because it's in the crucible of suffering, it's in being pushed up against in all these different ways that all this other stuff is gonna happen. That's what's gonna make you a strong gospel partnership. That's, what, that's what's gonna root you down even more into the truth of who God is and how he loves you 
because you are clinging to things like you've never clinged to before. You are clinging to the promises of God and his word because you are hurting. And so this is a gift. This is such a gift for us. Um, Paul says here um, in verse 27, I just, I don't need anything from you. I'm just asking one thing. Just live your lives worthy of the gospel. Um, the word that he uses there in the Greek is a play on their dual citizenship. This was a Roman colony. And it was like a really high honor to be a Roman citizen. So they were Philippians and Roman citizens. And he's saying, hey, same is true now in Christ. Like you're a dual citizen. And now you are citizens of heaven living here on earth. And so what it means to live worthy of that is not that you have to try harder. It's just believing that the gospel is true. Live your life like the gospel is true. Live your life like this is not the end, like this is not your eternal home. And as you do that, people are gonna see you living differently. Your opponents, uh, those who don't know Jesus yet, are gonna see you living differently, not threatened by the same things that they're threatened by. And, it, and it's gonna show them that there's a deeper truth out there than what they know, and it's gonna show you that this is really true. You're gonna watch as God continues to keep his promise to you to transform you and transform us as a community. And as he does that, we're gonna live further and further into these realities um, that have always been true, but it's only in suffering that they get unlocked and we get to experience them more. Father, we love you um, and we know that you love us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, please meet us and apply this truth like gospel ointment to the places that we are hurting the most right now, Lord, um, to the relationships that are the hardest, to these uh, situations that we endure in life and we, we want to endure them uh, well like the gospel is true. Um, will you please take this and just apply it to those places where we, we need you the most and we, and we need this truth the most and, and um, help us to believe it, help us to live out of it. And we ask that in Jesus' name.